What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Clee Talk, presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. I'm your host, Bob. I'm hanging out, talking Cleveland sports with my older brother, Chris. Chris, what's going on, man? We have a lot to talk about today, don't we? Man, we have a ton to talk about. I feel like every single sport, except the redheaded stepchild of Cleveland, did something great this weekend. So we got a lot to get to in this podcast. Yeah, definitely. We have uh, lots of sports to cover. Um, or should should I have said orange-headed stepchild? I think that was more appropriate. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, the orange-headed stepchild, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely mention them, but there are uh, some more pressing matters to talk about. First and foremost, we have a celebration uh, here on Klee Talk. The J.R. Smith it has a contract, is going to play for the Cleveland Cavaliers this year and three more years after that, signing a four-year deal. Fifty-seven million dollars. Um, he was he was a topic, our first band topic on this podcast because uh, this is a deal that should have been signed. I don't know three months ago at this point. Um, Chris, how, how happy are you that Jr. Smith is back, re-signed with the? I'm Cavs? happy. I'm happy, but it's predictable. I mean, it became very clear that Jr. Smith wanted to be in Cleveland when he kept showing up at the Indians games and hanging out with the team. And it became clear that the market just wasn't what he thought it would be because nobody waits around until October if they have a bidding war going on. That contract would have been signed in July. So the fact of the matter is this deal could have been done and should have been done a while ago. But at the end of the day, he wanted to try to leverage a little more money. I don't blame him. This could be the last time he's he's never going to be a hotter commodity on the free agent market. This was his chance to cash in. He did. I think it's a fair deal. And the Cavs needed him because, you know, quite frankly, you're not going to upgrade from him with the cap situation they're in. J.R. Smith knew that. And so I think everyone's happy. He's where he's been his most productive. LeBron still has that sharpshooter to come off of, you know, keep the defenses honest. So I think everybody wins with this deal. And when you factor in that uh, Mike Dunleavy was added to the team, now the Cavs have even more weapons to deploy at opposing teams. So, yeah, this is a great signing and a very, very great day in Cleveland. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm happy for J.R. Smith. This is a guy that has never made more than $7 million uh, in one year in his NBA career. So now he's uh, getting a significant pay raise, almost, you know, three times the amount of money that he was getting paid last year by Cleveland definitely deserving of it I mean he is the only true outside shooting threat I, I know Dunleavy has that shot but J.R. Smith is the shooting guard that can knock down the three and can bail the Cavs out in a in a very good way by taking some really bad three-point shots that go in and nobody else really has that ability um, he's just a perfect fit for, for the Cavs and it's it made complete sense that he should stay in Cleveland because he, by playing next to LeBron, was able to find himself, was able to find control, was able to play better defense than he's ever played before. And I think he recognized that he is most valuable when he's playing on a LeBron James team. So uh, mutual, mutually worked out for, for everybody. Um, I, you and I were never in doubt that he was coming back. I don't think really anybody else was in doubt, but... It's it. I'm glad that it's finally happened. I'm glad that, uh, well, he has missed a lot of preseason games, but he's not going to miss any regular season games, which is great. Bob, the preseason doesn't start till Tuesday. This is the pre preseason. The pre preseason. Well, I mean, 
you, you never want a guy being away from team activities. So, um, gotta no, go. I agree it all with that. Together. I'm glad. I'm definitely glad that they got it done before the tip off of the regular season that I just mocked and called the preseason because it's 82 games long. And let's be real, anything that happens before January 1st is irrelevant. Yeah, very true. It's a long season for sure. But uh, the band is all together. They're entering uh, the official regular season, Chris's preseason, healthy and together, all under contract. It's great. Um, so let, let's look into, we're going we're gonna, to uh, dive into an NBA preview now. Um, you know, let, let's start with the Cavs. You know, what what are your expectations with them? What has changed on the roster? You know, any, what, what are you looking for them this year? Well, look, man, when you win the championship and return virtually the same team you did last year with improvements, I think. I mean, I know they lost their two backup point guards, but they gained Mike Dunleavy, who I think is a better player than both of the point guards they lost. All due respect to Matthew Delvadova. Very scrappy, solid player. Very replaceable player. I think the Cavs have gotten slightly better. And I also think that the Cavs, this postseason, it all came together. The chemistry came together. It all clicked. And Tyrone Liu was the coach that made it happen. And so now I think all the pieces, this two-year process, has culminated in a team that has been molded and gelled together. And I, I honestly think the expectations are going to be exceptionally high. Number one in the East, if not by record, at least by winning the championship, and getting to the NBA Finals and contending for another title and defending the title. Um, I really think that there will be true championship aspirations placed on this team and I think people not just in Cleveland but around the nation will see them as equals to any team that comes out of the Western Conference this year yeah for sure I I think um, yes they're defending NBA champions which is still awesome to say Um, and you know any team that is defending champion the expectation for the next year is to repeat obviously um, but that doesn't even matter on a LeBron James team. The expectation is to win the championship, regardless of what happened in the year prior. Um, th- that expectation is still there. Uh, I agree with you. I think this Cavs team will be better than last year. Um, not because of the additions they made, because Mike Dunleavy is going to be 36 this year. Uh, played only in 31 games last year, 63 games the year prior. I mean, uh, he's a he's a good player when on the court. But, but they did lose some of the guys in their prime. I think they lost some good depth in Mozgov and Delavadova and, and then Mo Williams. But I think that they are going to be better because there is no... The overwhelming pressure is gone because Cleveland won a title. LeBron won a title with Cleveland. Uh, Kyrie won a title. Kevin Love was part of that team that won a title. Tyron Liu is an official coach. He has a, a, an ex, a head coach contract extension. All that pressure is gone. Obviously there will be pressure. There'll be attention because this is LeBron James and this is the big three of, of Cleveland, but there has to be some relief and they came out of that fire unified. I mean, uh, I, lo- I love seeing them in the loges uh, of these Cleveland Indians games, you know, celebrating and partying. It's awesome to see. I think that that camaraderie that's, ease of pressure is going to be a boon for everyone on the team. I think they're going to perform better. We're going to see even more fluid basketball sooner. 
I think it's going to be really fun to watch. And, and absolutely, the expectation is repeat it in the title, be one of the best teams in the league for sure. And, and Bob, you made the, the, the key point there is that the pressure's off. You know, Tyrone Liu has his job. I don't think the Kevin Love drama, I don't think there'll be any Kevin Love drama this year because I think anyone who suggests that he should be traded this year really doesn't know basketball or is just trying to troll. Because yeah. if you watched Kevin Love throughout the playoffs, there was no drama, none. He was benched and he took it like a champ. He was a team player. He didn't whine, he didn't pout, he stepped up and he made key plays when asked to and helped them win a championship. And so I think you're, you're absolutely right. With all that drama gone, with all the pressure, not just of winning the franchise's first title, but in the city of Cleveland, the weight of Cleveland on LeBron's back is gone. It's over. And I think he's helping the Indians in a, in a sense because by winning that championship in June, the Indians don't have the weight of Cleveland on their shoulders. Oh, for sure. Cleveland's, Cleveland's viewing the Indians as icing on the cake or, or ice cream on the side. You know, yeah. the Indians don't have to play with those expectations. And I think LeBron did them a huge favor by winning that championship. Yeah. And so with all of that gone, everyone can just focus on basketball and defending the title. So if anything, I think this could be a rare instance where a defending champ actually has less pressure than they did the year before. Yeah, I, I would agree with that just because of the setting. You know, in Cleveland, it was all about winning that first title. We don't we 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 we're not expecting a dynasty. We just wanted a title. Now, yeah, we we want more, but you know, we got the one, which is all we really cared about in the beginning. Um, the only big change on this Cavs team is, as you mentioned, we're we're down our number two, number three point guard. Lost lost Deli, lost Mo. Chris, what are your expectations of that backup point guard spot? Uh, low, because I think that that's a spot that the Cavs actually can afford to develop on. Uh, the key is going to be Kyrie Irving staying healthy. If Kyrie Irving goes back to his injury proneness, uh, then it could be a problem. But I think him not playing those first two months last year really helped him stay fresh later. I think Tyrone Liu is going to be very cautious with him, knowing his injury history. I don't know if Kyrie Irving can play for eight months, you know, because that's what that from game one till the last game in the NBA Finals, you're talking eight months of basketball. So I would assume that a lot of back-to-backs, these guys are going to rest. I would hope Tyrone Liu pulls a Greg Popovich and doesn't play anyone really on back-to-backs. I don't care if they're the two seed or the three seed in the East. If they're healthy, they are far and away better than anyone in the East. It's not Home court's not going to matter because it doesn't really matter if the sweep happens two on the road or two at home first. I don't see anyone in the East at the level of the Cleveland Cavaliers with all due respect to Al Horford joining the Boston Celtics. Yeah, for, for sure. About that backup point guard spot, you know, it's going to be interesting. So Kay Felder is the only true point guard uh, left on the team outside of Kyrie Irving with J.R. Smith getting signed. Tony Douglas got waived. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting what they do with that second unit. You know, Kay Felder is an undersized second round rookie. Um, it, can he handle that pressure? Can he handle some starts when Kyrie Irving rests that'll be an interesting thing to see in terms of development and role uh, early on in the season I think you'll see Amon Shumpert actually slot in as a point guard I, I think him and Jordan McRae will go in on the second unit and take turns handling the ball 
with you know Dunleavy and Jefferson on, on the uh, playing the three and four. And, and LeBron, when he is on the court, when he's playing those games, will probably handle the ball even more uh, than we've seen in the past. Once Kyrie goes to the bench, they'll probably keep LeBron out a little bit longer just to mask that point guard position because that is definitely a weakness, one that I think they'll improve upon uh, at the trade deadline or as the trade deadline approaches. Um, you mentioned Boston being the uh, presumed chief rival uh, to the Cavs in the East. Is that your number two, the biggest threat to the Cavs? It's tough for me. I, I, I think it's going to be the Celtics or the Pacers because I liked what the Pacers did in the offseason, and I think that Paul George is the second best player in the East behind LeBron James right now. Um. I, I, so I think the Pacers are actually a little bit more of a threat than the Celtics. I, I'm not scared of Boston because I think the Boston is essentially what the Atlanta Hawks were, but slightly younger and maybe a little bit better. But I don't see them as a significant threat to the Cavs. I actually think the Pacers, if everything goes right, could push the Cavs a little bit. But I still I think if you're going to go on a level – throughout the entire NBA. So like tier one is Cleveland, Golden State, San Antonio. There's a whole second tier of Western Conference teams before you get to, to an Eastern team. I think the best Eastern team is still a tier three team. Yeah, I definitely agree that the Eastern Conference is weaker than uh, most of the Western Conference, say for, for Cleveland. Um, I think Boston will be in the running for that number one seed and or number two seed adding Al Horford only makes the team better they they haven't really subtracted anybody but it's they Al Horford is north of 30 he has had injury history their second best player is Isaiah Thomas who's undersized size point guard now I've talked about that in previous podcasts there's not a guy on that team that can dominate a game and come the postseason that's going to be an issue if they go up against the Cavs um, so they don't really scare me. I agree with you on that. The uh, the rest of the field, you know, nobody really made game-changing moves. You know, the Chicago Bulls and the New York Knicks made probably the biggest headline moves, but I think that created two number eight seeds and, you know, decimated the Miami Heat. You know, <laughs> I'm serious. I, I think the Knicks and the Bulls, one of those teams aren't going to make the playoffs. I, I think they are. Bold prediction, neither of them make the playoffs. I don't have them in my top eight. Okay. V- very interesting. Okay. I, <laughs> I actually don't think that that's that bold, though. <laughs> yeah, no, I I mean, I could easily see both of them falling out. Well, let's just go to it. You know, what are what are your eight teams that are making the playoffs in the East? Okay, I am not confident about any of my Eastern Conference picks um, because I, I, I really think it's a mess of mediocrity out there. Uh, I think there are about 11 other teams that could make the playoffs after Cleveland. Cleveland's the only one. Well, no, that's not true. There are other guys I know for sure. I think the Pacers are at number two, Celtics three. Then I got Raptors. I think the Wizards will bounce back. I like Detroit. I think Detroit could actually be better than what I have them at sixth. I like what the Bucks did in the offseason, so I've got them seventh and the Hawks eighth. Those are my eight. But like I said, it. It wouldn't surprise me if some of those other teams bubbled up and some of those teams disappoint because it is a lot of mediocrity behind Cleveland. Yeah, definitely. I, I think there are three locks in the East, Cleveland, Toronto, and Boston. Um, those were probably the the best. Uh, Toronto and Cleveland were obviously the best of the East last year, and Boston was in the mix there at times. Um, I think those are locks to, to make the postseason for sure. I like Indiana uh, as, as a four seed. 
I like the Wizards pick. I had them as the fifth seed as well. Now I'm going to go with Atlanta in six just because I don't think they're going to drop off that bad. I think the Bulls will be in there at eight. And I I think Charlotte is good enough to still make it in in the seventh seed. I don't see much change happening uh, in the postseason. I I think Detroit is going to be in the running for that eighth seed. I I don't think they're going to make it, though. See, I thought about Charlotte, but they lost a lot. They lost, you know, some key guys, uh, Courtney Lee, Jeremy Lin, and Al Jefferson. I, I think that might be a little bit much for them to overcome. I, I don't know for sure. And I'm also assuming that Chris Bosh is not going to play this year, and Pat Riley Same, takes likewise. Miami into super take mode. If Chris Bosh somehow plays, that changes things, which is one of the saddest stories in the NBA. I yeah. mean, the blood clots just crushing his career. Um <sighs> I, I really feel for the guy because I, I, I always thought he was underrated. Um, I, I had him as a top 10 player when he was in his prime. And uh, it's just a shame to see his career cut short like this. But if he were to play at a high level and be, come back as Chris Bosh, that changes things. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think we will see Chris Bosh play again. All indications are it's not going to be for the heat, though. They're going to waive him and save the salary cap and, and all that stuff. Um, but it, yeah, it is pretty sad. You know, two years ago, the big three were in Miami. It wasn't that two and two years and four months ago, you know, they were all there and now all three of them aren't going to be playing for the heat this year. It's, it is really sad. And, and, and Chris Bosch, you know, just two years ago signed that max deal with the idea that he was now the guy in South beach and it just hasn't worked out. That is really sad. Um, all right, we'll move into the Western conference. What, what's your outlook out there? I'm going to go a little this isn't super bold. I mean, picking a team that won it the last two years to finish first, I don't think is that bold. But I do think there will be an adjustment process out in Golden State. I don't think it'll be like when LeBron went to Miami or back to Cleveland because that was starting a whole new foundation. Kevin Durant comes into an established core. Where I think the Warriors will struggle is with their second unit because they gutted about six guys to get him. And I think that that's going to hurt them more than people are realizing so I think they will finish first ultimately because they have by far and away the most talent in the West. But I think that that, la- that development of the second unit will maybe push their win total down to where the West is a little, a little more competitive this year. But I still have Warriors and Spurs 1-2. So you're going under on 73 wins this year? Oh, come on, man. They're not <laughs> going to win 73. Yeah, I, I think so as well. I, I just think that they saw their team run out of gas at the end in the most important games. They're not going for a repeat of the record. They're going to lose more than nine games this year. They're still going to be in the number one seed for sure. I think it's the Golden State Warriors and everybody else out there just because of the star power they have in that front unit. Um, That's not to say that uh, they won't have competition because I think the Spurs bring in Marc Gasol, excuse me, Pau Gasol, even without Tim Duncan. If it were Mark Gasol, that would be really a game changer. Yeah. Well, I mean, Pau Gasol ha- has a more finesse game than Mark, and I think that fits in perfectly alongside LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, I think that eases the loss of Tim Duncan pretty easily. Um, I-, I think they're the clear number two team in the West still. I do too. It would not surprise me if the Spurs finished with the one seed but the Warriors got things together late. I, I could see the Warriors struggling a little bit early because let's remember the Spurs still won 66 games last year. It's not like they were some chump team. And and it's also realized that even if the Warriors have an eight-game you know, 
setback, they still are a 65-win team. So I think those two will be around the mid-60s this year fighting out for one and two. I'm going to go with Golden State just because I think the talent will win out. Yeah, for sure. I I agree with that. Um, All right, who do you have for the six seeds below that in the West? All right, well, my number three seed might surprise some people, but I got the Trailblazers as number three. Then I got the Grizzlies. Hopefully they stay healthy. Clippers in the 4-5. My surprise team was my surprise team last year, so I was a little early on them. But I think the Timberwolves will make it as the six. And then I got the Mavericks and the Jazz, seven and eight. So that leaves out the Rockets, is that right? Rockets and Thunder. Rockets and Thunder, wow. Very interesting. Uh, Thunder are, are probably the most one of the most intriguing teams in the NBA right now. Can it work without Kevin Durant? You know, Oladipo and Westbrook there. We get to see Westbrook unleashed for 82 games. I think people are pretty excited about that and angry Russell Westbrook. Um, I agree with you. I think the Trailblazers are uh, poised for an even better season this year. They they came over a lot of losses in last year's offseason for kind of a surprising run to the fifth seed last year. I think they take a step forward and will be that three seed. I think the Clippers will be four I think uh, we'll have the Grizzlies at five just because they are so consistent. Um, Then Mavericks at six, um, Thunder seven, and the Jazz at eight. I don't think the Timberwolves are ready to make the postseason yet. I understand Carl Anthony Towns is legit. So is Andrew Wiggins. They have Chris Dunn as a legit starting point guard now. I just just need to see more. I I don't know if they can make a – if they can take a – that big a step forward to, to make the postseason coming off a 29 win season hey don't leap on zach levine man yeah i think he could, he's their third best player and, and you're right i like the addition of chris dunn as the point guard um look the, the timberwolves are a sleeping giant in my mind i do think tom Thibodeau will be helpful for that team for a young team i think that they're going to take some big jumps at some point because they have so much talent and it's clear that that talent is probably going to work out. I think that they are going to make a big step forward this year. That that's again, yeah. it's just me. I mean, we're making a preseason prediction here, but I'm glad that you're on the same page with me on those Trailblazers because I, I like what they're doing over in Portland. Yeah, I mean, CJ McCollum had a breakout year. They lost every starter last off season except for Damian Lillard, and they still made the postseason in the difficult West. Very impressive, and I, I like what they're doing. Um, for the Timberwolves, I think it's just a matter of when. I, I, I don't disagree that they're going to take a step forward at some point. I just think that uh, they they might need another year of seasoning. I think they'll they'll definitely improve for sure and be in the mix for a playoff spot, but I just think they'll fall short. And, and I also like the addition of Chandler Parsons to Memphis. I think that will help the Grizzlies a little bit uh, with just injecting a little offense into that team that's traditionally a more grinded-out, defensive-oriented club through the grind house yeah i think that they, they might have finally solved their small forward issues and, and might have finally gotten some offensive outside scoring that, that they've been searching for for years now so uh could be an interesting team for sure all right well uh let's pick some awards before we get into uh postseason predictions who do you got for rookie of the year well it would have been ben simmons until he unfortunately broke his foot which is i terrible storyline because here's the Philadelphia 76ers having this guy who looked like he was going to have a huge breakout year and who knows when he's going to be healthy I've got Buddy Heald I think he will fill the stat sheet down in New Orleans and win rookie of the year 
Yeah, it's a very good pick. You know, Ben Simmons, they're talking about, you know, holding him out for the entire year. Uh, very, very, you know, classic process move for Philadelphia. Um, so yeah, the field is wide open. Um, yeah, I'm just going to go with Brandon Ingram because I think he was a, a really good talent. I, I would be tempted to pick Jalen Brown, but they're chasing a playoff spot. I don't think he's going to get the stats that um, the rest of these guys will. So I'm, I'm just going to go with Ingram because uh, he he was a, a for sure number two in this draft. And if Buddy Heald hits with Anthony Davis down in New Orleans, that could be a team that chases the play, a playoff spot too. Remember two years ago they were the eight seed. Last year they took a huge step back. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me if the Pelicans bounce back too, but I, I don't know. I just don't think there's a lot of talent around Anthony Davis right now. I like Buddy Heal, but I got to see a little bit more out of him. For sure, and Davis has to stay healthy this year, absolutely. Um, sure. All right, who are you going for NBA MVP? All right, Bob, here's my logic. The decision is over. The stain off the decision is over. LeBron's back. He's like everyone I think has forgiven him now. I think he will win one more MVP this year and he will be the nba's mvp yeah i I think uh you're you're not alone in that thought process um i think this that's a very popular pick all of a sudden for lebron as mvp i think the rationale is the warriors with kevin durant and steph curry the three previous western conference mvps on the same team now how can either of them be mvp um you have to finish usually the number one or number two seed in, in your in your conference so that rules out one out of the four teams i think it's gonna come down to lebron james and Kawhi leonard i think james as his last hurrah in the mvp foray and and consideration i'm not saying he's gonna fall off the map next year but i think he is going to get his final mvp this year i I do too but the one caveat is if the spurs are number one in the west it would be hard not to give it to Kawhi leonard for sure yeah, he'll probably get his third defensive player of the year award as consolation. Yeah, that's my defensive player of the year as well. Yeah, I think he has a lock on it for like the next three years. <laughs> <laughs> it's like once you get that reputation, it, it's easy to pile up that award. Yeah, for sure. Not that he's not a good defender. I'm just saying. Uh, a reputation has a lot to do with that one. Yeah. All right, who are you picking for the worst team in the NBA here? This is always a competitive category. Um, well, if Ben Simmons doesn't play, why go against Philadelphia? Yeah, I, I can't pick a better, a better candidate. I think it's going to come down to the Sixers and the Nets, in, both in the same division. I, I think they're equally as bad. You know, the Nets didn't have their draft pick this year, so they didn't improve at all. Um, and the Sixers and without Ben don't, Simmons. Don't underestimate the genius of Pat Riley constructing a tanking operation. I think the Heat could go for broke this year, as in broke down. Yeah, they could. It'd be hard to find to sit. Can could Goran Dragic and Hassan Whiteside really be that bad? We'll have to see on that one. Well, he could trade Dragic and true. I don't know. We'll see. All right. Well, we got to do an NBA Finals pick, Bob. Preseason. Who you got? I think it's gonna be Cavs versus Warriors. I I don't know how. We get to a, a different scenario if unless you know catastrophic injuries happen. Gosh, the only thing that could make that finals more dramatic is if the Cavs somehow trade for Russell Westbrook, and then it would just be <laughs> the world would explode. Round three, Durant v Westbrook. But no, I agree with you. I think it will be round three, and I think the Cavs will win. Yeah, why? Why not? Um, sure, I, I think the Cavs will win. Um, 
yeah i i, I it's going to be some great theater at the end um unfortunately we have to sit through 82 games in the regular season to get to it but um i, I think that's where we're headed all righty yo but right now we've got a team in the midst of a championship run that's the possible finals there is a actual finals league championship finals going on bob tribes up 2-0 game three is happening while we record the 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 indians pitching staff is playing at a level that is just out of this world for sure i i think um for it's fantastic it's been a fantastic first two games says alcs i mean holding the blue jays to one run over two games is insane jose batista has not gotten a hit and has struck out five times already <laughs> i mean I, I don't think i was expecting this dominant of a pitching performance so far um rightfully so a lot of the credit has been handed towards handed to andrew miller who is just about strike struck out every single batter that he's faced um but there are other guys that are performing big time as well cody allen with two straight saves uh no earned runs no hits no walks you know just shut him down Corey kluber another gutty performance pitching into the seventh inning shutting out the blue jays um and uh clearly kluber is the best starting pitcher left in the postseason for sure but josh tomlin i mean how gutsy of a performance was that against the blue jays against that lineup only letting up one run and uh striking out six batters tomlin is not a strikeout pitcher but he 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 carried the team uh, through six innings. Josh Tomlin has stepped up big time. Uh, you know, the first two months, Josh Tomlin was fantastic. He has found that again. He had a very rough August, but he dug down and found April Josh Tomlin, and it couldn't have come at a better time. I mean, when you think about it, the quote-unquote worst start performance for the Indians was Trevor Bauer's first performance in game one and it wasn't a bad performance at all it was a solid performance but that's just how good everyone else has been and Josh Tomlin in particular against Boston against Toronto he's been fantastic Andrew Miller has been unbelievable everyone Otero Shaw Allen they've all been great and Corey Kluber 13 and a third inning no one runs in two starts the guy is an animal uh, if he doesn't win the Cy Young, I-, I think a lot of people who voted against him are kind of regretting that they voted against him after seeing his uh, performance. I don't know if he won it or not. The votes have the votes have been cast before the playoffs, but I don't know if he won. If people, if a lot of people voted against him, they're probably like, "Oh boy, <laughs> can we have a redo here?" Because <laughs> Corey Kluber has stepped up and shown that he's the best pitcher left in the field, and he's making a case for best pitcher in baseball for sure i i think uh the name recognition isn't there but he's just as dominant as anybody left in the field and uh could be taking home his second Cy young award in in three seasons i mean how can you not be uh the best pitcher in baseball right now or just in that that consideration along with guys like clayton kershaw or you know john lester right now so for sure i mean kluber has has done exactly what an ace is supposed to do and that's in high leverage high stress games dominate you know he hasn't let up a run in two starts and has pitched in the seventh inning for sure um chris only three indians have hits in the alcs lonnie francisco and santana wow yeah, i mean that's that's impressive yeah francisco I, I, Lindor I, is, uh, I didn't... 
playing out of his mind right now. <laughs> yeah, Lindor's been unbelievable offensively, defensively. Uh, this is his coming out party. I mean, not that he didn't have one already. He's having another one uh, in the postseason. But that guy, I mean, and you just look at his age, the fact that he's only been in the league two years. I mean, the future looks all very bright for Cleveland because all these guys we're talking about are locked up for a long time. It's not like this is a rental team you got here. Yeah, definitely. It, it's it's going to be really exciting. Um, yeah, just credit all around to the Indians from Andrew Miller, who's getting all the attention right now and, and definitely deserving of it. But I think media and, and people that aren't really comfortable with the Indians just don't really know how to how to report on them because on the other side they we have Josh Donaldson and Jose Bautista and Edwin Encarnacion uh in the NL we have Chris Bryan and Anthony Rizzo and we have the Dodgers you know that stacked team but we have the Indians which just do it one through nine do it with a bullpen do it with an ace and two starting pitchers that shouldn't even be starting these games and I think you know, a lot of people are just kind of confused about how the Indians are doing it right now. And and I love it. I think it embodies everything that I like about baseball and everything I like about Cleveland. Um, but, you know, hats off to just the, the, the entire team, one through nine, uh, and to Tito Francona as well. Oh, certainly. It's fun to watch. And hopefully next week we will be talking about the Cleveland Indians in the World Series. So keep it up, Tribe. Hopefully they lock that up this week. Either way, we're going to be talking about them big time. Hopefully it's an optimistic podcast next week and not a, oh my gosh, how did that happen? So, Yeah, for sure. It's still definitely a, a series. You know, 2-0, you're going into Toronto, lock and change, especially in a, in a baseball best of seven. Oh, yeah, It's not over by a long shot, but certainly looking good because, hey, you need to win four and they're halfway there. So I like their chances. Yeah, definitely. All right, man. So we had a huge game in the college football world. Uh, two huge games because Alabama played Tennessee and throttled them. But more importantly for the Cleveland folk, Ohio State, Wisconsin on the road in Camp Randall Stadium. This was a classic Big Ten slugfest. And, and the Buckeyes were definitely challenged for the first time all year. They had their backs against the wall the whole game, but they found a way to come up and make big plays in big pressure situations. This was their first sort of taste of what it takes to be a champion, and they passed this test with flying colors. I mean, it wasn't pretty, but they made the plays. For sure, yeah, it was a fantastic game. Um, You got the sense immediately that they had met an opponent that was actually going to challenge them. Um, You know, they had a bit of a trouble. uh, They had some trouble starting, for sure, and, and getting their feet under them. Um, you know, only six points in, in that first half, but they came alive in the in the second, and they were able to you know kind of rally and, and 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 take one from from the Badgers. You know, the Wisconsin had them pretty much uh, for the first half and into the third quarter, um, and then then you know JT Barrett started to find his rhythm and 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 make some plays. So it was definitely a a slugfest, like you said, and a challenge. And I think it's one that they came out on top, and, and they're going to learn from it for sure. Yeah, two takeaways. One, Wisconsin, man, they're, they've got two losses, one in the number two team, one in the number three team, both by a combined 14 points, one in overtime. That defense is for real. Uh, they could probably be the best two-loss team in the nation right now. And the, the second thing is Ohio State's defense is fantastic because they came up with another huge play in overtime to seal the game. 
last the week before they had a huge play against Indiana. Now they're nursing a 14-point lead, but Indiana was threatening to score on the four-yard line, and they stuffed them on fourth and one. So two big fourth-down stops that that really preserved wins for the Buckeyes the last two weeks. Um, you know, Nick Bosa is uh, starting to look a lot like Joey Bosa, uh, making some big plays for the Ohio State defense. Uh, and so that's got to be exciting to watch. Um, yeah, but the Buckeyes definitely I, – I, I'm glad they stayed at number two. I didn't think they should drop and uh, certainly showed that, hey, first five weeks were great. They had a big road win against Oklahoma. But this was the first time they had to really dig within themselves and win – when things weren't going right and they did just that yeah for sure and jack Cicci on the badgers man that dude was a terror <laughs> 15 tackles a forced fumble a sack i think three and a half tackles for a loss the guy was just terrorizing the buckeyes and uh, unfortunately took the loss and, and you know isn't going to get the credit that was due but he was playing his, his mind out oh yeah i mean the, the, wisconsin really dominated that game for about two and a half three quarters uh they I thought the Buckeyes were going to lose in midway through that third quarter, but then, hey, they turned it on, gutted it out, and boom, they're still they're six and zero. That's all that matters. Yeah, I um, think I think uh, you know one thing it does two things. It preserves the matchup with Michigan. I think it's going to be a, a a huge top five matchup between two teams to close out the the Big Ten schedule, and it also. It, it kind of legitimized Michigan. You know, Michigan had the win over Wisconsin, and then Wisconsin goes toe to toe with Ohio State. We still, we that was that's really the only game we've seen Michigan play a tough opponent. And now we we know that that defense can go toe to toe with 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 Wisconsin's defense. So, um, you know, all eyes are on that that closeout matchup against Michigan and Ohio State now. The way things are looking, it could be the biggest Ohio State Michigan game since the time they met number one, number two, undefeated. I believe that was the 2006 season. Um, a lot of football left, but it's hard to find people on the Big Ten schedule that's going to beat them. I, I, I'm, it's looking like I'm wrong about Michigan losing three conference games, so I got to apologize to the Wolverines again. But uh, test on Ohio State's schedule will be Nebraska, certainly, uh, but that's in Columbus. So um, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we had another 11-0 showdown. Yeah, I think uh, Nebraska doesn't. I wouldn't be as scared as Nebraska as I am scared going into Penn State next week, coming off of this loss, going again on the road to one of the loudest stadiums in, in the country. That could be a trap. Yeah, and Penn State always plays Ohio State tough. There is a rivalry there, so certainly will not be easy. It'll be only the second conference road game for Ohio State. So, yes, certainly not one to overlook, but but I do think the talent difference, you know, Wisconsin's way more talented than Penn State, so I think that that will not make it as scary i do think the buckeyes will handle their business this weekend yeah most likely for sure um all right then around the the country you know you did mention it but going into uh tennessee and shellacking them like alabama did uh only just legitimized their number one ranking i'd say (laughs) i mean they destroyed them i mean tennessee was playing with fire all season uh and Alabama just squashed it out. There was no fire to play with against Alabama. They lost, you know, forty-nine to ten. <laughs> it's just, yeah. I don't see how. I mean, defending champs, beating down everyone on their schedule. Uh, you can't take them away from number one until they at least struggle a little bit. And even if they do, 
they've gotten so much credit that they're going to have to get knocked off in order to fall from that spot. So definitely Alabama is the team to beat this year. Yeah, it definitely seems like that. Uh, any other thoughts on, on the week of college football? Uh, not really. Those are the two games that caught my eye. But, Bob, I mean, well, NC State almost upset Clemson and missed field goal in regulation would have done it with no time left. Um, but, Bob, you were at a college football game this weekend, a big-time game. Yeah, I went down to Georgia to see uh, them take on Vanderbilt. Uh, I made the joke last week that I always go to the game that Georgia's definitely going to win. Uh, they turn out to lose the game. Um, I didn't know that, but Vanderbilt has uh, statistically the best defense in the SEC. Um, so I, I didn't realize that going in, but they were just able to shut down Nick Chubb um, all day long and Sony Michelle. So uh, they basically forced Georgia to rely on their 18 year old quarterback who has a, a beautiful arm, but is just not ready to, to lead a team right now and wasn't able to, to really lead the offense. And they, the Georgia was just very un very poorly coached the entire game i love the name nick chubb it's my favorite name in college football right now yeah the dude the dude is a legit running back for sure all right so we just talked about the 6-0 ohio state buckeyes on the flip side the browns as we both predicted fell to 0-6 and, and as i mentioned earlier they are the orange-headed stepchild of cleveland right now bob this time it was a you know it's hard not to question Hugh Jackson's decision to go for two on the first touchdown there instead of kicking the one keeping in an eight-point game and keeping the team at the one possession level so that way when they recover the onside kick there's still the hope that they could tie the game what did you think of that call yeah I I get that um the Browns did were able to march down and score another touchdown presumably because the Titans were you know, playing even looser than they would have if it were uh, only an eight-point lead. Um, I, I, I'm not going to second-guess Hugh Jackson on this 0-6 Browns team for, for making that call. Um, I don't think – winning is obviously his objective on the field, but uh, I'm not too worried about it. I, I know you have strong opinions about for when to go for two, but um, I'm not really going to judge him for it. I, I think you were going to have to go for two on one of those possessions. They did it. They weren't able to do it, um, and that's the game right there. Yeah, I mean, it goes against my philosophy, but here's what I think he thought. I think he was going to go for two on both of them and try to win the game in regulation. I think that's what his strategy was. Yeah, I mean, and I would I would back it just because I, you know, anything to get this Browns team involved, get them closer to winning. Um, I do have some kudos to, to dish out. One, to Cody Kessler, who, again, impressed me. Um, the, he, he took a lot of hits, took a lot of sacks, but he hung in there and delivered a, a gutsy performance again. And I think he's deserved all the starting reps and, and definitely needs to be our starting quarterback going forward. The other guy is Danny Shelton, who I think uh, flashed signs of dominance in this game. Um, Pro Football Focus has him rated as one of the best run defensive linemen in the league and that's exactly why you drafted him it's really refreshing to see him put forth a, a dominant game yes I was very impressed with Danny Shelton and I agree 100% on what you said about Cody Kessler uh, look I'm not saying Cody Kessler's the answer but I think he should play the rest of the season and develop because every team in the NFL needs a guy like Cody Kessler on their team a guy who can come in and not be a liability at the quarterback position and he is a fairly accurate passer this young he's gutsy I think he has what it takes to at least be a solid quarterback on this team even if he isn't 
the team's ultimate franchise quarterback. Yeah, definitely. The the arm strength is lacking, so I'm not sure if that will ever improve, but he's definitely shown that he can lead the offense, which is more than we can say about a lot of the Browns quarterbacks that get rushed out there. Um, big disappointment, though, is Isaiah Crowell, nine carries for 16 yards. I, I understand they were keying in on that, but um, you got to do more than that. You have to give him the ball more than nine times. Yeah, certainly. I mean, he's the kind of guy who needs those 15 to 20 carries uh to be effective one of those guys who the more he carries the more he's going to pound away at the defense so um, but I think it also had to do with being down most of the game uh you got to throw a little bit more so that could have played into it but but I agree with you he definitely needed needs more carries yeah for sure all right well another week of improvement hopefully for the Browns uh we'll, we'll see what they have to offer against the Bengals in our football Friday podcast that we'll post later in the week um, for some quick hits, though, uh, Gateway Plaza this week uh, weekend uh, wasn't just progressive field that was full and, and, and rowdy. 13,000 fans were in the queue to raise the Monsters banner while the AC- ALCS was going on. Chris, what are your thoughts on that? That's pretty cool. It is really cool. I mean, they got about 13,200 fans there uh, to see a minor league hockey team raise a championship banner while the game one of the ALCS was going on safe to say that Cleveland uh, likes its hockey as well and it's good to see that the now Cleveland Monsters uh, are contributing to this championship gold rush uh, that hopefully continues uh, into the World Series but uh, yeah I I like it I think it's awesome that the fans are so supportive of this team Uh, then another bad planning is if the Indians were to play game one of the World Series it would be at home as well and the Cavs will raise their championship banner on the same night so maybe it's there's something magical going on it must be the 2016 and the 216 area code uh coming together or something because uh you know the 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 city of Cleveland is definitely just experiencing this sort of awesome sports year that everything seems to be coming together yeah it's definitely a sports renaissance for the city of Cleveland Uh, a good moment um and hopefully uh, we're able to have that bigger moment uh, during the world series for for the tribe that would be awesome bob i think we talked about every single sport in our coverage realm today because they all did something yeah uh most of it was good uh like i said we still have the orange helmet stepchild to worry about but thank you all for listening to clee talk we got to part ways right now we'll be back friday with our football fridays previewing the browns and the Bengals this weekend uh hugh jackson against his former team we'll see how that goes for him Uh, But next week, we will definitely be talking Tribe, hopefully talking World Series and the Tribe uh, because we we really want them to win. But no matter what, we're going to be talking about the Tribe, and hopefully it's good news. So please come back to FenleyRoadSports.com, listen to Klee Talk, subscribe to Klee Talk via iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram. Just search Fenley Road Sports or go to FenleyRoadSports.com, and we got the little icons up in the corner there to make it easy on you. One of them also leads to iTunes, so you can subscribe to our podcast there. We appreciate your support. We'll see you next week. And, of course, go Tribe. All right, I'll see you, Chris. Go Tribe. Take it easy, Bob.